Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Old Millennials Remember Movies. I'm Angela Yoshiko. I'm Tyler. How's it going? It is going great. Today, we are here to talk about Mission Impossible. A number, uh, a number, another 1996 film. I believe this is what, our eighth episode? And now we're doing our third 1996 movie, including the second in a row. What was magical about 1996 for you, Tyler? I, I don't know what we've talked about. Well, Twister was our first episode, and that just seemed like a an interesting thing to start and then i don't know you wanted to do mars attacks and then we wanted to do mission impossible because the new mission impossible came out and so it just kind of randomly happened but it was a big how old are we well i being an 83 baby i turned 13 in 1996 first year as a teenager so that you know makes me like 12 so yeah i mean we're we're watching these cheesy blockbusters this is this prime movie going time Totally. So then it makes sense that this pod we'll, we'll branch out. We won't just do 1996, I promise, but sure. That's right. It was a key time. Um, before we jump into the podcast, I just want to share, we were pretty excited this week to uh, start working on a cool intro song yeah. that we were willing to pay someone $5 we went on, on Fiverr. Fiverr. And we thought we had somebody. Oh yeah, he had a couple super cool songs. We loved him. He was going to write an original, uh-huh. 30-second... You I just know, wanted what I just wanted a sample. That's yeah, what I wanted. Something super cool, uh-huh. and it did not come through. I am so disappointed that I my five dollar investment did not come through. Wait, did you? Don't, you, didn't, you haven't given up that five dollars yet, though. Oh, I have to cancel the order. Try to get my oh. five dollars back. I have to go through a whole thing. Well, my, what, maybe it'll come through. Did you log in recently? I did not log in today, but I did log in yesterday. And I was still like, hey, just checking in. It's cool if it's late. The person seemed to be from what? Maybe Ukraine. So maybe it's the the time is different. In the Ukraine? time is definitely different yeah, there. It's not the same. Like we're. I don't know exactly the specifics or how it works, but I know for a fact. It is not the same time there as it is here. Yeah, so just, just to throw saying, this out there. Unless if you're... it's like, you know, but AMP, right. It's, well, I'm, I'm still, pretty confident. You're still talking about the time. I'm pretty confident. I'm moving on past that. Okay. So if you're listening and you're like an original techno or even guitar or piano uh, original composer, no, see, feel free to yeah. email us a quick 30-minute, 30 uh, 30 a 30-second <laughs> soundbite. We don't need 30 minutes. A 30-second clip of something you think well, would sound cool for our intro well, music. Well, I liked about what this guy's sample was. It was like, it had like a hip-hop feel to it, but it was like, it felt dated, yeah. which was perfect for what we were like wanting to do. Agreed. But like, but not like quite like, re- you know, not, not, not necessarily like retro, super retro. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like not like Fresh Prince. Oh, speaking of, but uh, Fresh Prince, uh, type that time you know i'm just saying we were it, it was i was really hoping we were gonna get that music fingers crossed for maybe next we'll, episode maybe we'll get it so let's kick off this episode before we dive into mission impossible what have you been watching recently tyler well we um let's see well i well I, i've been watching the fresh prince of bel-air because i got uh in, in an effort to uh grow our uh you know we're making an effort here over at old millennials remember movies and etc old millennials remember.com yeah, we've got um we're bringing in some dvds from ebay from movies we don't have you know we're spending a good two three dollars on these things it's all an investment into like future episodes and so in the midst of buying some movies for future episodes i bought a couple seasons of the fresh prince of bel-air because it's not on streaming okay I've been so enjoying it so here's a fun fact about tyler mm-hmm. he loves physical media Yep. So we have a large collection of DVDs that he's been collecting over the last 
however many. Well, well, and most of them, to be fair, most of them were purchased at the time when it was like, that was how you got movies. There was no digital copies. Yep. So over the last 16 years that I've known him, yeah. we're oh, oh, nearing the 1500 count, probably. I, what I love it. What about it? What I love about it now is like, I will buy, I'll buy the occasional Blu-ray of new movies or whatever, but... What I love about DVD is that they're all super cheap on eBay now. Everybody's just trying to get rid of them. I'll take them all. You will take them all. <laughs> so we have a list of all the movies that um, we... Potential episodes. Potential episodes. Yeah. You know, it's getting into the 200, 250 yeah, range. Um, every time I bring this up with friends, people recommend movies. Some we have watched, some we haven't, some we totally forgot about. Yeah. So as we go through our collection, there's some movies that I was really mad that we didn't even sure. own. Don't spoil it. We're going to, we're not, I don't so, want to tip our hand. Yeah, stay tuned. Um, so moving past that, I don't know why I, oh, you're talking about Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah, anyway, there we go. I don't yeah. have anything to say other than that. It still holds up. And our seven-year-old really likes the physical humor of the show mm-hmm. in that, like, she doesn't understand, you know, like the... <laughs> The relationship and the you know the the plights of a of a Will Smith as a teenager, but she understands Carlton's goofiness and all this physical humor going on, and she finds it quite funny. So uh, yeah, it's been a good time watching that show. I've always liked it, so you know what are you gonna do? I'm glad I have at least a couple seasons now. I'll probably get all of them eventually. I feel like Fresh Prince of Bel Air has been the show that every time we go down to visit my parents and yeah. we stay with them. It's always on late night cable, and yeah. you always get your fill. And at Nick that at time. night, yeah, I used to be on Nick at night a lot, or whatever MTV late. But see, last time we were down there recently, I was up late, and I was flipping through, and it was like, uh, according to Jim and no. uh, some other shows I don't care about. Like I was like, no, put where's the Fresh Prince? I was pretty mad, so now I need to get my summer fill of Fresh Prince, and now I've I've gotten it, which is good. Nice. Um, let's see. We oh, I made you. I didn't make you, but I. Uh, <laughs> I well, I wanted you to watch it. Uh, I had seen it in the theater when it came out. But I love dogs, the Wes Anderson movie that came out this year. I, we watched that together. You're not saying I love dogs. You're saying Isle, like is an island. Isle of dogs, not must love dogs. Not that movie about dogs that's coming out in theaters, which seems like a movie that should have been out in the '90s. That's coming out. It's called like. Uh, Dog Days. Yeah, it's oh, silly. I can't believe it. Not that Rain one that everyone's excited about because they love the book. Rain? That one about the dog chasing rain or in the rain. You, I don't know. What you you're read about. that book. Remember, our old boss made um, me read that book, and it was a really good book. Dogs like chasing in the rain or something like that. Nope. Never Hold heard on. of it. <laughs> you just keep talking about yours real quick. Never I'll come back to you. heard of it. No, because I brought up Isle of Dogs, and I wanted to know what you thought of Isle of Dogs. The Art of Racing in the Rain. Yeah, I don't know what that is. How do you not know what this is? <laughs> I don't know. People are so excited about it. It's a really good book about dogs that will make you cry, kind of like Marley and oh, what, me. like a life's purpose, that, or a dog's purpose, that awful movie? Yep, and Ugh. I think they're turning it into a movie. You okay. should know these things. Nah. Okay. That's not, it doesn't sound like a movie I'm going to be rushing to see, let's be honest. Maybe if my movie pass worked. Ooh, timely humor. Let's not talk understand. about movie pass. You're, <laughs> you're too deep on that. Ooh. In as a, <laughs> this is this podcast will serve as a slight lyric. Like there was a thing called Movie Pass, which for a little bit was really awesome because it made you let you go see uh, cheap movies. And uh, this was the week that it happened to just completely implode. So anyway, history. Yeah. So the art of um, racing in the about ma- rain a dog's purpose is a movie that will be coming out at some point. It's in pre-production. Kind right of feels now. like Dennis Quaid's going to be. They're all filming over that it. Movie. It's Amanda Seyfried. Amanda Seyfried, yeah. Mm-hmm. Seyfried, yeah. Gary Cole. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other Dennis people. Dennis Quaid, just bring it to me. Give me that Dennis Quaid action. That's This is a Dennis Quaid movie. It's not. All over it. 
Maybe nope. Jennifer Garner. Nope. <laughs> these, Milo these... Ventimiglia. Oh, that's the guy from uh, This Is Us and uh, with Heroes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Kathy Baker, Martin Donovan. All right, we're done talking about this movie. <laughs> I don't know any of the other names. Isle of Dogs is a Isle stop motion dogs. Uh, animated film from Wes Anderson. This is his first movie since he made Grand Budapest Hotel from a couple years ago. Um, what did you think? I really loved it. Yeah, it's it's really good. Um, I, I'm a, I'm in the I, I, you could probably Wes Anderson could probably pay me for uh, the positive uh, reaction I because I, I even like his movies that people don't like. So yeah, if you're, it, I, I'm a ringer for Wes Anderson in general. So if you're a Wes Anderson fan, you're going to enjoy this movie. If you're a dog fan, you're going to enjoy this movie. Yeah, it does have it's not, it's is a, a you know stop motion animation. I would say it's not really meant for kids. Maybe older kids would probably appreciate some of the humor in it. But I don't know. There's also kind of a lot going on that um, kind of is about like social aspects and politics and i don't think it's a, a you know just a coincidence that it's set in japan i know that there was some controversy about wes anderson being the guy that makes a movie about japan but i think there's a reason behind it and uh you know he's very respectful and is has a message about you know what that means and how our relationship is with that country and the history we've had with that country and uh yeah i just i i really liked it again the second time and um yeah, I mean, I'm a ringer for him. It's a yeah. good movie. <laughs> do you think that people can tell stories that aren't their story? So do you think that it's okay for men to write a story about women and women to write about men or culture, yeah. you know, white people to write stories about Japanese culture? I mean, I think that um, there's no hard and set rule about it. Certainly, I think a good filmmaker can tell a good story and, a, you know, good storytellers can say interesting things without necessarily having that direct experience. It doesn't take away... Uh, um, I guess a more authentic perspective that some other person might have, a Japanese filmmaker, I think that can still exist. Um, yeah, there are bad examples of this happening where people choose to make movies about cultures they don't understand. I don't think that's what's happening here. I think Wes Anderson is too good of a filmmaker to be lazy in his um, approach. Mm -hmm. So I, to me, then again, you know, I'm a white guy, so I'm not the guy that's exactly going to be the one that should be the be-all authority on whether or not that should be the case, but... Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. I definitely enjoy What's-His-Name's performance in uh, this movie more than the Jurassic Park one. Jeff Goldblum? Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, no, he's in it a little bit. Yeah. He's one of Wes Anderson's kind of regulars now. Bill Murray has a voice in it. Um, the new one really is Brian Cranston, who's kind of like the lead, I suppose, of the of the celebrities anyway. He's very good. Brian Cranston has a very distinct voice. Um, yeah, and it has Edward Norton, who's been in a few of his movies now and is... You know, it's weird how some of these actors just fit perfectly in uh, that universe. Jeff Goldblum, Bill Murray, uh, Ed Norton, Tilda Swinton, Angelica Houston in the past. These are people that just fit. And I think Brian Cranston is an interesting one to kind of add into that list. And I love when we just keep adding people. So, Where can people see Isle of Dogs? That is on uh, home video, streaming, Blu-ray, everything now. So yeah. definitely check it out. It's really good. Totally. Um, anything else you've seen recently? No, I think we, the big one we probably need to talk about in relation to today's episode is we both did go see Mission Impossible Fallout, the sixth installment of this franchise that keeps going. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, we want to talk about it now. Do we want to talk about it? Yeah, let's talk about it now because we watched it. I think it is um, basically incredible. I think it's the movie of the summer. It is maybe one of the best action movies of the decade. That's how good the action scenes are. I think it probably is the best in the franchise. It's kind of like up there with Ghost Protocol, the fourth one. 
Um, I really loved this one. It's two and a half hours, and yet it just it just moves. The story kind of clicks through. It's it's just as ridiculous as um, plot wise as any of these other movies, but it it really plugs in. It it kind of gives an an individual character arc for Ethan. It still provides that team aspect that we love, and I love how the set pieces. I mean, there are there are some pretty jaw dropping things in this movie, but I love how everything just kind of like builds momentum and bleeds together. Like, you get, you know, he jumps out of an airplane, but that builds into this longer sequence where they're having to, you know, meet a terrorist, but that turns into, like, a bathroom fight, which is awesome, and that escalates into having to steal this thing, which means there's a new, or a person from the previous movie, and uh, everything just kind of builds together really well, and it uses the cast well, and, and I also like how this one climaxes on the best stuff, because that's not always been the case with these movies, like, the action... Ghost Protocol's best scenes right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rogue Nation, which is a very good sequel from this. This is the first Mission Impossible that's directed by a returning director, Christopher McQuarrie. In Rogue Nation, I mean, arguably the most spectacular scene is him dangling off that plane. It's right in the beginning of the movie. It's kind of hard to top the spectacle of that. This one kind of saves all... I mean, it's great the whole way through, but then it gives you probably the most spectacular thing they've ever done uh, involving some helicopters and... It's just, uh, yeah, it's 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 a wow uh, sequence, and it's exciting, and it has a, I don't know, I loved it. I'm on I'm on board uh, for this. I mean, I like all the movies except for the second one, kind of, and that's a future episode, by the way, Mission Impossible Two. But uh, yeah, I loved it. How about you? Loved all the action scenes. Yeah, because it was like just action, action, action. Cleanly shot too, like you can just tell what's going on. Yes, and then I loved what they did with the characters. I love um, the story of. Yep. Everybody. I don't want to spoil the movie, I guess. Rebecca Ferguson's back from Rogue Nation. She's, I think, I mean, there's been some good female roles along the way a little bit. She's definitely kind of finally, like, this great counterpoint to Ethan Hunt. She's badass, but also there's some chemistry between the two, which is not always a given with Tom Cruise. And, uh, yeah, I, I love her in the movie. Simon Pegg's back. Ving Still Rames love is Simon back. Pegg. So great. The villain who's very good in Rogue One is back. Henry Cavill, Superman's really good, which is surprising. Why is it surprising? Because, I mean, I, I think he's fine playing Superman, but he's, the problem is he's been played Superman in some bad movies, I think, yeah. is really the problem. He's never been a bad Superman, but you just have an, a certain image of him, and I think this movie actually uses that image in a good way to kind of propel his character to interesting places. Oh, yeah. He's got a mustache in this movie. <laughs> it's... The mustache deserves a credit in the in the cast. Well, it's the famed mustache that was digitally removed from Justice League because the studio wouldn't let him shave it for a reshoot. So, you Worth know. it. So good. Oh, yeah. I love, love that, that mustache. mustache. And I love the fact that it's like a CGI lip <laughs> in Justice League. So, yeah, no, the mustache, totally. And, okay, to be fair, like... It's a mustache, but he's got other facial hair. It's not just like this. It's not a creeper stash. It's not this dangling. Yeah, it's not a porn stash. Um, yeah, no, yeah. I, I loved it. We saw it separately, which sucks, but um, we probably it did because when I see action movies in the theater, I really like to whack you in you the whack arm me against the chest or the arm, and you're like, yes, I'm like, ooh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a good scene. I know. Um, we so, haven't done that in a while. I think no. Avengers: Infinity where we got a little bit of that, but that was the last thing we kind of saw together that was like really like yes, hit you in yes, the arm. Yes. It really helps me remember because I'm like, oh, yeah, that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like to get physical. It's awesome. I, I think it's – what's interesting about Fallout is it is such a – if you go back – if you if we only see two movies in the franchise, the first Mission Impossible and then Fallout, 
it's like, wh- what are we doing? It's so wow. different. I mean, it's very different. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where we can maybe just ju- start jumping into the original because it is not the movie that the later installments become, really. Um, it's its own thing, and I've always really liked it, but I- I'm interesting to hear... When was the last time you remember? Oh wait, oh, I don't want to step on your toes. Are we doing like a segment to start this, or what are we doing? Are we doing a segment what are we doing? to start you, this? You like do the segments, so you tell. I me. am. We're going to talk about some high stats about the movie. High stats. Oh, is that what we're calling it? High stats. High stats. Why are we calling it? it? Does that mean that we're not going to talk about any of the low stats? I'm confused. No. Is it about marijuana? I was going to say like the high level information, but clearly that's like a work term. And my brain's been so much in a work world that I am mm-hmm. sh- having trouble shaking that lingo. So gotcha. I kind of melded movie stats with high level anyway. So here we go. Mission Impossible came out in 1996. The summer May, right? In May. What was it? A Memorial Day? Like what, what was the week? It was May 22nd, 1996. Feels like, that feels like a Memorial Day uh, release. What was the rating? What's your guess? PG-13, baby. PG-13. I feel like 90% of the movies we watched in the 90s was were rated PG-13. Well, because we're 12, 13, 14 years old, of course we're I know, but see. I feel like the PG-13 back then, not in Mission Impossible that we're going to talk about, but other PG-13 movies mm. were a lot racier than what they can get away with today. Really? Yes, what was that movie we were just watching? I don't know. We'll talk about it. On I the feel next like one. I'll well, pay attention. I think in a lot of respects, maybe that's true. But violence, you can you can throw in mass death in movies now, and gunplay in a PG thirteen movie, and get away with way more. It's movies are way more violent even now. I would say. Okay, so, so maybe I'm wrong about that. Yeah, you could be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to like say you are, but movies are way more violent. <laughs> I mean, even if you look at the Mission Impossible movies. What was the last movie we saw? I remember making the comment like, oh my God, you could not get away with Mars that. Attacks? In a PG movie. Maybe oh, it's PG. You can get away with so... Well, PG, yeah. That's a totally different... That's a totally different thing. But I mean, think about Incredibles 2 this year with the action and kind of violence. Now that's PG and they're able to kind of push the envelope in that a little bit. So, yeah. I don't want to say you're wrong, but I think you are. I think I'm backwards. Yeah. I got it backwards. Wow, just well, struggling as, over here. So what are the high um, stats? Um, it uh, came out in May 1996. 22nd. Rated PG-13. Yep. It was an hour and 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. And how much money do you think it made? Opening weekend? $47 yeah. million. It made like uh, 174 domestic, which is... Did you... Are you reading this? No, well, that's real off the top specific. of my head. Real, off the top of your head. Who are you? It's just... I, I have read some stories about Fallout's box office, and they were talking about how Fallout is the highest grossing opening weekend, which that's... It's just total bullshit, because, like, there was pretty massive inflation between now and then. So, yes, the number currently is higher, but Mission Impossible 1 and 2 especially made... Had, more people went to those by a long shot. So, it was... Um, oh, what'd you say for opening weekend, did you think? 47? Yeah, 45 million. Yeah. It was a, uh, yep, mm-hmm. worldwide four hundred and fifty-seven million. Yeah, that's a lot of money. It did well, yeah, and it's over. I'm sure that's near a billion. Billion if you production budget. What's your guess? Oh, uh, this movie maybe like eighty. I feel like you were totally reading this no. beforehand. Yeah, eighty million dollars. Guessing based on what I've seen in the movie. That seems like a lot, actually, having just watched this movie. It well, Tom Cruise at this like point, eighty million dollars. Tom Cruise at this point is probably getting twenty million right off the bat. It's not quite a. I don't know if he's getting a back end on. Well, I don't know. He produced it, so maybe he was not taking a budget on it. But, um, I mean, nowadays, I, I I feel like he doesn't probably get paid a lot up front on any of these movies anymore. He just gets a portion, a pretty substantial portion of the box office. You're making some like, I'm making eyes. a face because I'm I'm just googled it really quickly and mm-hmm. and this can't be right. What? It says Mission Impossible 1996 because I'm looking at a list of Tom Cruise movie career earnings. Yeah. 
Mission Impossible, 70 million of gross. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he must have had a back end deal on that. How is that possible? It's so much money. Because he had a big old portion of that and it made a ton of money worldwide and everything. These movies make a lot of. Tom Cruise Holy is a. Holy moly. Oh, my so God. That's a lot of money. Regardless of what people think about Tom Cruise in this country now and all the other stuff we don't want to talk about. Um, he is a massive global star. He, I mean, he, this the new Mission Impossible is going to make a ton of money overseas. This is how these things uh, continue getting made because he has a huge box office draw still. Everything he makes is, uh, is gold. I can't even scale. close my mouth. How is that possible? He's he's very rich. To be fair, he's given a lot of that to that church of his. So <laughs> let's not talk about that. <laughs> Um, yeah. Okay, so Mission Impossible made a lot of. How was it budgeted for eighty million dollars? Well, it's a it's a lot of locations. Um, they do jump around. They do are they are showing you the places they're at, and that's really where these budgets kind of hit in. You're not you're not working on it in a in a studio. You're out in the field. It costs money, so not necessarily visual effects, but uh, yeah, you're doing these big sequences when you're uh, kicking around the world. It costs a lot of money. That's why the Fast and Furious movies still cost a lot of money. So, yeah, do you remember when you first saw this? No. I don't. You know what I do remember? Huh. Seeing the trailer on TV a bunch and it yeah. always showing that scene of him whoosh, dropping down to the ground. Down, yeah. And balancing yeah. himself up. Yeah. That's pretty much my whole memory of Mission Impossible they 1. They even like show the money shot of the helicopter. I remember that last. In the uh in the in the tunnel of the train too, but um I remember seeing this like opening day or maybe the second day. Actually, it was that Saturday, we went in the Shut afternoon. Shut up. How do you have these sort of detailed memories? Because I'm pretty sure it was Memorial Day weekend, and we weren't out of school yet, and I remember wanting to see it. My dad wanted to see it. So I think we went, went and saw like the first showing on Saturday, like afternoon, and then afterwards we got ready and we went to the lake for the weekend or whatever. Oh, you went to the lake. Yeah. You're so fancy. Oh, yeah. Oh, went to movie, You've and then we went there, to the lake. You've been there. You know it's not that fancy. <laughs> I was like, I want to go play some softball. I'm 13 years old. Well, I didn't want... I remember not being like... I was real excited about seeing Mission Impossible. That's all I wanted to do. And then kind of being a little bit bummed out after the movie and we were, like, going to go uh, away because I was like, I don't know, for some reason maybe I thought there was, like, another movie to see. I was 13, so I was just like, I want to watch TV, you know, or 12. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I want to stay home and watch some TV. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so that's what I remember about it. I remember liking it. I remember being confused as I'll get out watching it and not understanding what was happening for a good hour of it. And that might be, I don't know if that's just a kid thing or if this movie is genuinely confusing. I'm not sure. Well, since you bring it up, yeah. what would Roger say? Oh, it's, a, it's our segment. New segment. Ro- what would Roger it, say? How, how much more can we say it's new? We did it last week, too. It's still new. Okay. You can new. say it new for the first three times. Was that a rule? Did you look that up? It's an Angela rule. Okay. So there you go. First three times you do something, it's new. What would Roger say? We're going to get a whole jingle at some point. You betcha. Yeah. So what did Roger say? What was your guess? I thought two and a half stars, but you did spoil it for me. It was a three-star review. Three out of four stars. Yep. couple excerpts. Okay. Um, because Mission Impossible was directed by, by Brian De Palma, right. a master of genre thrillers and sly Hitchcockian wit. That's true. It's a nearly impossible mission to take the plot seriously. Sure. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. He talks about it and talks and talks and talks. Then he yeah. says, the bottom line on a film like this is... Tom Cruise looks cool mm-hmm. and holds our attention mm-hmm. while doing neat things. Like magic. That we don't quite understand. He does magic. <laughs> doing them so quickly mm-hmm. and with so much style that mm-hmm. we put our questions on hold and go with the flow. I don't know if that's necessarily true. but When sure. the movie is over, it turns out there wasn't anything except the flow. 
Our consolation, I guess, is that we had fun going with it. Basically, he talks about how the plot is super confusing. Yeah. Who knows what's really happening? It's a lot of right. like double spy, double tri- double crosses, and what yes. more of these movies have done. I mean, every installment has this, but this one, maybe because it's the first one, maybe because its target audience was not familiar with the show originally. I don't know, but it's it's a it's a naughty little movie. Like it's not a naughty, not little naughty, movie? naughty like a knot, like a tying a knot. Oh, it's it's, it's not twisted, twisted and not twisty? naughty, and that makes sense because this is Brian De Palma, which is a real interesting choice. Uh, you know, if you know much about Brian De Palma, apparently he's a master of genre thrillers <laughs> well, and sly Hitchcockian so wit. He he's made like Body Double, Scarface, Blowout, Blowout. Dress to Kill, Carrie. These are all genre noir type movies he's had i mean other than the untouchables it's not like a lot of big budget movies other than this uh he he did do a future episode snake eyes with nicholas cage <laughs> we'll we'll do that movie <laughs> what he did that yeah that's a long that's a that's a steep fall well if you look at most when did of snake his, eyes come out like around this time maybe a couple what? years 98 maybe no but you you would be you'd be surprised snake eyes might be might, might be, be a better movie might be better than some of his more recent output because <laughs> his, his most recent output has been has been a real drop-off so snake eyes was probably the start of the real 98 and yeah, it's two years said. later yeah um so yeah no it, it's a kind of an interesting choice especially when you see what the franchise becomes because it's mostly like i mean the next movie is john woo of all people like asian action uh expert or whatever and then you know we've, it, it's a very specific choice mm-hmm. and uh yeah the movie i so we you know watching it this time i i've seen this movie a lot so i know kind of the mechanisms of it and and you know what we're supposed to know about the plot oh tyler you were saying the thing the quotes from the movie yeah. before the actors were saying because, okay and this is this is partially this happens because the franchise is so long now we've had 22 years we've put sequels in between and this is kind of one of those things where like the new one comes out like well better go watch the previous mission impossibles so in addition to seeing it like a regular amount when it came out it was like every time a new one came out i was like well better watch mission impossible so it's a movie that you end up seeing it's like how you it's how i end up seeing like the lost world way too much or Jurassic park three way too much like it's just because a new one comes out and you gotta watch it again it's just what happens. So, it's just yeah. what happens. I know, but like, uh, so I was trying to approach it objectively, and you're my good barometer because I'm guessing you probably have only seen this a handful a, of times. a couple of times, mm-hmm. maybe. You, did you see it in the theater? Do you have a memory of, or you don't know? I didn't see very many movies in the theater growing up, <laughs> okay. so you're gonna ask me that on every podcast, and my answer is pretty much gonna be the same. Okay. Well, the movies I remember seeing in the theater include The Lion King. Sure, I saw The Lion King probably three times. Blair Witch. Oh, yeah. That was later. Fantasia. Do you, oh, so you want to know uh, <laughs> Fantasia, the, the reissue? Or Fantasia 2000? Uh, 2000? Like, because they, they made a new one. Did it come out in IMAX? Yeah. Because my auntie Peggy and Cindy were pretty excited about that. They might have even done, like, a back-to-back yeah. of that one. Like, they yeah. did the classic one, and then they put that new one out. Oh, yeah. Quick thing about The Lion King. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I don't think we'll do The Lion King for a while. But I saw The Lion King, like, uh, so many times. But we all did, Tyler. Yeah, like it was just in the theater. You'd go. My parents went to go see Clear and Present Danger, I think. And I was like, I don't want to see that. But they didn't want to like get a babysitter for me, or I was whatever. I was like, I'll go to the movie. I'll go to the Lion King, and the times lined up enough that it would have been fine, mm-hmm. right? Well, I remember sitting through about twenty minutes of the Lion King, and then my dad comes in the theater, and he's like, uh, 
well, we can't – clear and present danger broke down, so we're actually going to go see True Lies in like 25 minutes. So the movie's going to be – your movie's going to be out, and there's going to be like a good hour and a half of True Lies. <laughs> this this checks out with your parents. <laughs> yeah. So then the difference being – here's the thing, though, because my parents were like, okay with me seeing like PG-13 movies, but I think True Lies – is R or something? I don't know. There was a re- there for some reason they were like you shouldn't be watching this movie. They I was like sitting on the floor during True Lies. Like I watched The Lion King and then they're like you can't watch this but we can't have you like lingering around. True Lies is rated R. Yeah. 1994. Yeah. When did Lion King come out? 94. And then Clear Presentation must be 94 maybe. I thought that was I, yeah, this should line up, but uh, We're going to see oh, it does. Your story checks out. Yeah. It also so was I remember seeing Okay, so this is so weird because Lion King's <laughs> only like 90 minutes, right? So I saw the first 15 minutes of Clear and Present Danger. Fun fact, I've not seen past the first 15 minutes of what? Clear and Present Danger. I have the DVD now, I think, but I still have not watched past 15 minutes of that movie. Why? I don't know why. I just because I saw the first 15 minutes of it in the theater because it was PG-13 or whatever and I saw whoa, it. Whoa, whoa. I'm wait. How did you see the first two because, minutes of Clear because, and Present Danger? Because that was what they were going to see, and I had to wait until Lion King started. So I was, like, with them until Lion King started. So then I had to go... So then I went over to the theater to see The Lion King. It was, like, two rows over or whatever, or two theaters over. And then my dad came in later and was like, Clear and Present Danger broke down. So also, then we had to see you're correct, Lies. Clear and Present Danger rated PG-13. Yeah, so they were okay with me seeing a few minutes of Clear and Present Danger, okay. but they were not okay with me seeing an hour and a half of True Lies. So I was like literally like sitting on the floor of a dirty, sticky theater while True Lies is going on. I'm obviously like watching it through the cracks of the seat. I think these lines around your your parents' responsibilities of raising you are, yeah. are interesting. I find them interesting, too, because, like, what? Like, why? <laughs> so many questions I have here. Because, okay, to be fair, <laughs> like, True Lies, my memory, okay, I haven't seen all the way through Clear and Present Danger, clearly, but I have seen through True Lies. Are you sure you haven't? Yeah. I think you're going to be surprised when I actually watch that movie. I've seen Maybe the trail- you've seen it. Maybe, but, like, Sorry. the Keep part going. that really separates the two, other, like, the violence is obviously probably a little bit worse than True Lies, but, like, what's the real differentiator between a PG-13 and an R-rated movie, especially nowadays, but even this was true even then, is that it's the language. I'm sitting in the theater. I'm hearing all the fucks. Maybe it was the violence. Right, but it's not, I mean... Guns. Yeah. There's guns. Sure, shooting. but there's, isn't that, that's also in Clear and Present sex, Danger. Is there sex in True Lies? I don't know, not really. It's been a while. I don't think so. Not, like, a ton. Anyway, we're talking about what movie? <laughs> <laughs> Why did we go down? We were talking about Lion King. Uh-huh. Oh, because... we were talking about movies that I've seen in yeah. the theater. So, no, I don't remember seeing this in the theater is the answer <laughs> Mission Impossible. to that question. Well, I just want to... Because I don't know if we'll get to Lion... Because Lion King's, you know, I don't know. It's it's great, right? Like, we're, why not get to that for a while? So yeah. I, you know, We're saving great. all the good ones for when we're good at podcasting. Well, right. I don't want to, you know... Well, okay. But... <laughs> so... <laughs> Anyway, I saw Mission Impossible in theaters. You didn't. But what I was trying to say was, I wanted to get your feedback on this. In the opening, the opening scene of Mission Impossible 1996 makes no sense. Like, they're already in the middle of a mission, which is standard of this. But it's like, they're watch. it's Emilio Estevez, who I don't think any of us really knew he was ducks. even in the movie. Mighty ducks. He's watching a monitor, and there's like a, a an interrogation going on. There's a dead woman on the couch, and she's dead, and then they... Some old man tries to revive her, and it's Tom Cruise, and he reveals this mask. It is a deep dive into the Mission Impossible lore right off the bat of a, a series that most of us aren't familiar with. Right off when, the bat. When was the series on uh, TV? 60s? You Let me provide you it. the high stats on that. Yeah, high stats. <laughs> oh, should we get a song for this? No, we should... High stats. I don't know. No, we should not. Um, mm-hmm. 
TV series was from 1966 to 1973. We don't know anything that's going on here. But, you know, that does kind of make sense because it it checks out with the opening scene because it does show them they're like in a hotel room or something and they're filming. It's all on video in the next room over, but it, it looks so old. It's lo-fi. Yeah, it must be. In- I, yeah, I was thinking about how intentional that probably was to kind yeah. of. But it's very confusing. And, and that little moment has nothing to do with the rest of the movie, with really. Anything in the movie. Or does it? Did Which happens. Go back and. I, not a, not, it's not like a key part no. in much respect. And, and the other movies have done this. But, I mean, to be the first one in the franchise to just kind of immediately like, eh, this is going to confuse you for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then because then the next, so then what we get is a an introduction not to Ethan Hunt, but to Jim Phelps, who's played by John Voight. And that Jim Phelps is the main character in the TV series. That's the familiar name that people that knew the show would know. And he's assembling a team to go to this, infiltrate this party to steal or stop someone from stealing this list of uh, secret agents or mm-hmm. whatever, essentially. And that's when we're introduced to the team of Tom Cruise. Pretty famous crew here. You got... Emilio Estevez, you've got Tom Cruise, you've got uh, Christian Scott Thomas. Um, I guess that's really all those famous people. But, yeah, I was like, there's two people. Well, then there's the two, uh, Claire, who's Emmanuel Bart, who's married to Jim Phelps. She's the one that is, like, the femme fatale of the rest of the movie. You're good with names. Hannah is, Nice like, job. I only know I... Hannah because <laughs> she's the one that goes to the party wearing... They're all wearing cameras, glasses, right? Well, she's wearing, like, the most giant sunglasses in the world are her camera are her camera sunglasses and she's wearing them inside like she's not oh yeah this person's not a secret agent would you like to know her um real name yeah sure ingaborga okay dap dap kunaiti oh cool dap kunaiti yeah nice well she is so that's hannah she's got like two lines in the movie anyway um so kristen scott thomas yeah ving rames Oh, and Jean this, Reno. But this, Jean Reno, that's later. Jean Reno. You know, from The Professional, he's later. But anyway, oh, I forgot, they do do the opening, what every movie has done, what they do that, they do the theme music, and then they show scenes from later in the movie, like all the action beats and things like that. Yeah. And uh, this is like the only thing that really does that. Do you, how do you feel about this motif in general, of, like showing you scenes that are going to happen in the movie? I like it. Yeah. <laughs> it it's the same reason that trailers don't ruin movies for me like they do for you. I can say all of that and just like not remember any of it and enjoy the rest of the movie. This is better because it's not it's fast. You're not yeah. like gleaning a story necessarily. Yeah. You you tend to like hold on to things, get distracted by them and then it bothers you. Well, yeah, cuz like in this movie, especially they show you shots of like John Voight where he gets How did you oh, remember he that? He gets like killed so early and that we know we haven't seen these scenes of him yet. I was like, "Well, he didn't get killed." Listen, you're no one else notices that. It's <laughs> yeah, just sure you, Tyler. Do. But the TV series did this too. They would show scenes That's of That's fun. Uh, I think it's fun. Yeah, all right. So th- th- this does that and it establishes that um that aspect. So then we have this big um kind of mystery scene. It and this still has that very lo-fi look about it. It has um it, it like it's set in where Kiev? Is that where they're at? Maybe no. That's where the first part is. I can't remember where this this uh, whole incident happens at this party. Um, but like it's foggy when they're outside. It just looks like the Third Man or like Jack the Ripper. Like it's very moody. It's very what you would it's expect. Like Prague from or something like Prague. that. Okay, and then yeah, it's just it just feels like like what Brian De Palma would bring to this uh, thing. And so you know this gets botched pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emilio Estevez, who is, goes on credit in the movie. Uh, he gets dispatched pretty quickly. He's sitting on top of an ele- he, like he's the hacker, and he's sitting on top of an elevator. That's where they've put this guy, and clearly it's a setup, right? But like he gets overhacked. Is that the word? You get you get hacked over. He's a hacker, but someone hacks him. 
Sure. He gets double hacked. He get yep. We'll go with that. Yeah, he gets double hacked, mm-hmm. right? And he ends up like he's on top of the elevator and someone hacks the elevator and he's going up and up like the elevator's shooting him up and then like some spikes come out from the top of the building and he gets his head like there's like an implied shot kind of where the, the stabby thing goes into his skull. And I want to know like do elevators have these stabby things at the top of So the- what Tyler's asking is mm-hmm. a, a request for an episode on how do elevators work in 1996. I, well, I was hoping that I told you this a couple days ago. I and didn't I look it up. That you could tell elevator me. Elevator spiky things. At the top. At the top. Is that, how you, is that what you Googled? Yeah. I think you'll ever get some results. I'm pretty certain it's going to answer for because me. Because they just poke out at the last second to just, because he probably wouldn't have got killed if these stabby things weren't there. Or are we to suggest that like. The villain has set this whole trap up like a saw. Uh, no, I feel like it's trap. like the brakes. It's like the electrical system. There's there's spikes. <laughs> okay, well, someone's asked this question: uh-huh. What is the machinery at the top of the elevator? Mission impossible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's actually been asked all over the internet. Great. I, uh, this is what I wanted you to do two days ago. Mm-hmm. It's not part of the elevator. It's some kind of... F- nope, that's that's clearly just a, a user Speculative answer. Speculative answer, mm-hmm. sure. I need it's an elevator kind of, expert. Nope. I kind of enjoy this person's answer. Okay. It's some kind of folding blade thing. <laughs> well, that's what it is. <laughs> the point is just to show you that it's actually a trap. Mm-hmm. And Jack right. just hasn't lost control well, of the elevator. Well, because it's, like it's like a razor that pops out. It just like comes out and here's some, here's some blades and spikes. His name is Jack, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, he gets stabbed pretty good. Um, and that's okay in a PG thirteen. Well, movie. there's no blood. It's all implied. It, well, it, it's not. I mean, it seems like there's a shot where like the spike is going through his face, but there's no blood, so it's just kind of like a really quick kind of deal. Because we do get a little blood later. We see John Voight get shot. Although this is a pretty terrible. Like the way that they show him getting shot is through like his camera, uh, his eyeglass camera, and it just everything about it is a suspect. You're just like, well, that's a weird way of like showing someone get killed. So you're just kind of feeling like you don't even have to know these come back later from those early shots because it just seems like, what are they doing with John Voight? Also, John Voight is like second build in the movie and he gets killed in the scene. Of course he's coming back. That's all I'm saying. Because in the beginning it's like Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible, also starring John Voight. Totally. It's right off the bat. Would you like to hear some additional comments about the elevator spikes? I would. I really okay. want to hear Some additional about comments spikes. include, yeah. it's a trap. Obviously it's part of a trap. I like this person's comment. But, but, but. Mm-hmm. They are painted safety yellow. OSHA almost certainly had a hand in making sure the downward death spikes on top of the elevator shaft need to be clearly marked so as to avoid injury or worse, death. They are marked with yellow. That scene haunted my childhood for a while. Otherwise, it was an amazing movie. Why didn't you duck? Seriously, why would you look straight up and get impaled in the face? I think it's like, yeah, he was like, I don't know, it's so fast. I don't know what he's doing. It 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 is a it. They do fling down, so it's kinda like he's probably thinking, okay, I'm gonna be in a situation here, yeah. but then those things come down. Yeah, and but he, it's it's sticking. Yeah, in it, anyway. Mm-hmm. Oh, the other interesting thing about this beginning scene and and that first scene too is that the mask game of Mission Impossible is already starting. But like, it seems like in the beginning, it's like not they're not like the one he wears in that first scene. It looks like a man, Tom Cruise wearing it, a mask. It looks like Tom Cruise, right? And then they so the next one he wears. He's playing a congressman. But what they do here is that they they show you the con- the real congressman on TV, and this just looks like a to- an old man mask mm-hmm. worn by Tom Cruise, so that we can see him as that character again. They don't do the thing, but then later in the movie, they actually do like the trick thing where a real trick. It looks thing. like real John Voight. So I'm confused. Like, it, is it a scenario where we've learned later in the series where the uh, the mask making machine 
falters and breaks down, which happens in Ghost Protocol, and maybe in number three. Or, um, no, his, the audio doesn't work for Phil Hoffman. I can't remember. But, um, or has the technology just gotten better? Or did, and did it get better over the course of this movie? Like, he, he got the new one? And if so, is, like, Luther being Rames' guy, like, he's the guy that was able to make the better mask? I don't know. Because he's the one tinkering... Is Ving Ring's the key to all these mask-making things? I don't know. Just saying. Great curiosity. I just got a lot of questions about the mask <laughs> The mask game. Um, let's see. Who else gets killed? Kristen Scott, Scott Thomas gets stabbed in the dark alleyway like Jack the Ripper is, like, knifing her. That feels like... It felt very Jack the Ripper-like to it me. It did feel, yeah. And the other noticeable read. thing is that Brian De Palma is very good. At, he's not hiding a lot. Of, it's a confusing, knotted-up movie, but... He's still showing you all these weird things that are going on. You learn later there's like a second team that's at this place, and you notice them as the scene's going. You on. totally notice them. There's on a purpose. guy. Yeah, there's a guy that's talking on a thing, and you know the people, the weird people out in the alleyway that are just watching them. When they're at this party, people are just like staring yeah. at them. I mean, it's all it's all there, and it, you know it's meant to kind of be. I don't. He's not trying to trick you in any way. He's giving you all the information right off the bat. I feel like, which I think is kind of cool. It's giving you. It's fun and get a play along incentive to be part of the the kind of the twists of everything or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and then uh, Hannah, giant sunglasses girl, gets in a car that blows up. Tom Cruise thinks the other girl, Claire, married to Jim Phelps, is in the car too, but she we learn later she gets out. And yeah, Tom Cruise thinks he's the only survivor for a little bit here. Mm-hmm. He calls into. Uh, they lose the list that they're protecting with the that lines up the names of the spies with their aliases or whatever. Yep, so that's been their mission is to get back the knock the knock list they call it, right? The knock list, the list of CIA agents matched with their field names. Okay. It's not but let's be I want I want to really put this out there. They're not in the CIA. They are part of the IMF. And if and there's a reason why in this whole series they don't like to say what the IMF is out loud because what the IMF is is the Impossible Missions Force. Which is not the best uh, name for a group. IMF sounds cool. It does. IMF sounds good. CIA sounds good. But at least CIA has Central Intelligence Agency. That still kind of is okay. Impossible Missions Force? It Weird. sounds like a G.I. Joe cartoon. It does. So, I mean, there's a reason why <laughs> we don't... We don't. So then we have the knock... I mean, there's so many acronyms, but... Um, um, do you remember what the first major, like, stunt in the movie was? Yeah, it's when... I was going to say, he calls into... Um, well, there's, like, the car explosion maybe a little bit, but, um... Sure, I mean, like, a Tom Cruise stunt. Oh, real... Oh, and it's so... T- it's such a Tom Cruise stunt, stunt too. It's it, it's kind of comical in the scale uh, compared to where we are now, dangling yes. helicopters and yes. all this stuff. But so he calls into it the, the super boss of the IMF, and who's the, the actor, he's... I love this guy. He's so good in the movie because he's got this really distinct voice. He keeps showing up. He's in... I'm watching that Sharp Object show on HBO, and he's in that. Um, he plays uh, Kittrich or whatever. He's the head. Oh, man, I wrote it down. Kittrich, Henry Cerny? Yeah, he is so good, and he's got this really distinct voice. And he, like, he, he meets Tom Cruise at this, like, restaurant with a giant aquarium man. Um, hold on. Yeah. Fun fact. Yeah. He's in clear and present danger. Is he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was in a lot of movies at that time. I wouldn't have known that, but, yeah, no, that's good. Um, Connections. Oh, yeah, we're going to do a new section of the podcast called... Old millennials remember movies. Connections. Connections. We got some more coming up. Connections. So never we we gotta get a jingle for that too. You but bet. he meets him at this hotel. So it's a restaurant with um a big aquarium in the background, and mm-hmm. that's when the uh, Kittrick's group tells Hunt like this whole 
plan was a setup to really root out a mole. There was a mole. And we think you're the mole. And this he, he showed the people that were at the, like, there was a second team there. Tom Cruise realizes this, and they say, you're the mole. Everybody in your team is dead. You're the bad guy. And that's when Tom Cruise has got to do his big escape. Oh, my gosh. And he gets the gum that Emilio Estevez introduces, the red light, green some, light gum. Some James Bond gum. You mash it together, and it causes an explosion. So he knocks that against that aquarium and he we throws it, throws it, sticks it to the wind. It sticks to the and it aquarium. causes an explosion. And then there's this mass thing of water and there's a lot of close ups to kind of hide like how they didn't like it's it's cool. I like this scene. It's but, the it had to have been the biggest fish tank in the world for the volume of water that comes gushing I be- out. I believe it. There's this seems like a big aquarium. Yeah, you know what water does? It falls to the floor when it when it crashes. Not when out. you have a gum explosion that goes. It's off not right a there. freaking tsunami. That's excuse me. Have you high. ever had any red light? Ge- <laughs> have you excuse me? Have you ever had excuse any red light, me. green light, gum explosion? On a water, have you ever done this science test yourself? So, if you don't remember the scene, it's an aquarium tsunami in a restaurant. Yeah, and he, and then they get <laughs> you get the slow mo, like Tom Cruise, like jumping out of the water, out of the window, S- crashing out the window, and then with a bunch of water gushing in slow motion. Oh, it's so awesome! And it's just like this Tom, and it, yeah, it's comical now because of what we see Tom Cruise doing these later movies. We see him jump over buildings. Yeah, now he's he's jump he's jumps a foot. He's like, <laughs> he's like ah, it's a little water splash. But then he ah! he does bust into that signature like Tom Cruise sprint. Yes. Which, uh, by the way, Fallout has the best Tom Cruise sprint mm-hmm. of the franchise. It go he gets like. Simon Pegg's in his ear going, like, you got to go faster. So he, like, goes ape shit fast. He's running real fast. He's... that got to be, like, less than a four-minute mile that mother, That motherfucker's beating Usain Bolt. I'm just saying. If you put those two, put Tom Cruise and that, like, okay, let Usain Who? Bolt, eh, the fastest guy alive. Oh. Uh, you put that, maybe give that guy, he's got to wait, he's got to go after, like, the gun. Like, Tom Cruise goes before the gunshot of the what relay race. What are you talking about? So if you're going to race these two guys. <laughs> and I think Tom Cruise needs a little time to speed up. But, so, okay, if Usain Bolt does a shorter, we'll, we'll make it a little bit longer. That'll give Tom Cruise a little Shut bit more it advantage. Down, Tyler. And then you let Tom Cruise go right before the 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 signal shot to go, and then and then Usain Bolt goes because you know just for fair because Tom Cruise is older. I think I think Tom Cruise could beat him. He looked real fast in this movie. He's fast in this. He's fast, really fast in a new one. It made me want to go sprint, and, and it's like... in camera because here's the thing: what's awesome? It's like it's all one shot. Like, they didn't cut around and running a little bit. They're like, no, we're going to have him run across the city, and we're going to film the whole fucking thing, because that's what Tom Cruise wants to do. Yeah. And that's awesome. It is awesome. Anyway, (laughs) so comparatively, the water jump, uh, it still looks cool. It does look cool. It's a stunt. It's real water that he's running away from. Mm -hmm. And then he runs off. He meets Claire. There's so but many, there's no evidence the first action scene. <laughs> there's so many fun scenes that we could uh, walk through today. Oh, yeah. Um, but what I would like to talk about mm-hmm. is the actually the very next scene. Oh. Um, it's 1996, <laughs> right? So let's just set a real baseline. The internet is shit. It's it's new. It's like dial-up. <laughs> yeah. So he's logging onto this computer. He's trying to figure out who sold, who the real mole was. He had a contact. Mm -hmm. He realizes that if he emails this person through like the Book of Job forums, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) he will he will realize he will connect with the person that set up this deal or Mm -hmm. he's selling it to. So So, I don't remember the details, but here let me let (laughs) me set the scene for you. Mm -hmm. The camera is real close up on Tom Cruise's face, like straight on. So it looks like he's looking at the computer screen, and all you see him doing is like. 
His eyes keep closing for these real long blinks, and then he flings his eyes open real wide. It's as if he's taking these tiny little fucking naps as he's waiting for the slow-ass internet to load. So it's just like he closes his eyes, and then he reopens them, and it's like... I'm still waiting for fucking this to load. So I think that it's in trying to imply that it, the whole evening is going it's by. It's taking a long time. So there's but, more emails. He's getting tired. But, he's falling asleep. It is. And this is what part of the movie where you actually fell asleep. <laughs> because we, we had to actually watch this movie in installments. Uh-huh. Because uh, it, this movie put you to sleep so badly. It was that scene. I was like, God, I'm getting so fucking tired with you, Tom. He was very let's, tired. Let's take a nap. He starts getting delusional. He starts thinking John Voight, bloody John Voight's coming in. It turns out to be claire the his wife the woman and uh, uh yeah no it, it just goes on and he you know it's got the the you know the it's not a even aol level it's like blinking it's uh, dos it's like black screen <laughs> green font a blinking envelope shows up like ding, ding, oh ding. and the email address is job no oh yeah i wrote it down at job Space three colon fourteen. Yeah, there's spaces and colons in the and, email address. No, and no dot com. Dot com. No. <laughs> it's a special forum. Maybe okay. And I feel like if this show was more popular, our podcast, there would probably be some nerd on the internet would like maybe say like 1996. That's how email was. Assholes. Oh, I'm sure it was, but it's so but fun it's funny to watch. Now, right? So fun to it's watch. It's good technology. It's fun stuff. Yeah, it's like yeah. There's a space. There's a colon. It doesn't make any sense. So that was my favorite scene of the whole movie. Yeah, and that's. Yeah, it's and it's weird to have this, like, after... You feel like the movie's finally getting to going. You're like, fucking stunt, flying out the window. Yeah. And then well, you're like, like jumping, now we're doing email. Doing a slight skip out of a window. Sure, but, but it's like, yes, there's some splashdown. Right, yeah. Um. So then, you know, I don't know, he meets... Uh, Vanessa Redgrave, who's the blah, contact. Blah, 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 let's move She's, forward. Everybody in this movie is, like, super wants to fuck Tom Cruise, because here's Vanessa Redgrave touching his ear and shit. Uh, you know, wait, which lady? The Vanessa Max? Red Max, yeah, that's Vanessa oh, Redgrave. Okay. Yeah, so he goes to meet this older lady. Yeah, Her Vanessa Redgrave. She's older in the movie. She's older, yeah, because she's an like older, older than him. Yeah. Oh, but she's she, like touching his earlobe. Oh, she's hot for him. I definitely. Oh yeah, everybody's hot for Tom Cruise. In oh this yeah, movie. she's like petting him, and I just want to put oh, this yeah. out there. That's the right move. You got a Tom Cruise sitting there. You're in a power position. You're gonna pet him. And she doesn't know who this guy is. You he's just, just some, pet him. Yeah, he's, she's petting him. <laughs> Um, There's a lot of... So, I mean, an hour goes by. He yeah. He's essentially got to go steal the real knock list now to kind of root out the real uh, mole. Like, if he figures, Max will tell me if I go get the real knock list. And this is when we finally get introduced to, like, the team. Like a, So we finally get a new setup for a new team. This is where Ving Rhames shows up. It's an hour into the movie. Hold on. Mm-hmm. This is how I'm going to find my team. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get on that computer he again. He gets on the computer again, yeah. I'm going to load up that green font yep. screen. And I'm going to type in the word disavowed. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to pump out a list that I'm going to choose my team from. And it makes me think of Minority Report when they don't remove his permission and settings. Yeah, okay, so... But this is 1996, so they have cle- he clearly has permissions to get into the CIA database. But, like, yeah, I was going to wonder. Or like, the I IMF database, My impression of getting disavowed means that we erase all record of you. Yeah. Except for here's this list Except of guys. here's this list. <laughs> yeah. So Thought that's where that we was get, interesting. We get, you know, then we get some two 90s icons here. Ving Rhames, you know, hot off Pulp Fiction. You got Jean Reno. He's the professional. He's our, Here's our team. And what's great about this is that Jean Reno has got that intimidating look. Although he plays a real dumb guy in this movie. He doesn't get a lot to do. But he, he's real dopey, as we'll learn later. But, um... Ving Rhames, God, he's just, like, charismatic as hell right off the bat. 
Like it's yeah. it's amazing how little he is in this movie. Yeah. And he like he just pops right away. Like yeah. he just feels like it's a natural part of the team. He feels like the iconic secondary role of this movie, even though he's in, I don't know, fifteen minutes of the thing. Takes an hour to get in. Mm-hmm. But he's super cool, he's super awesome, and it's no wonder why we always want him back in the movies. Listen, Tyler, this is how they're gonna break in to get that list. Let's hear it. They're gonna break into Langley. It's at the CIA headquarters in Langley. And uh huh. Mm-hmm. But to get the right equipment, they're gonna use those thinking machine laptops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that what they call them? <laughs> Thinking machine laptops with that, with that artificial intelligence risk chip. Mm-hmm. And, perving Rames, at the end, I gotta keep the equipment when we're done. He wants that laptop. Oh, man, he's so cool. He's so cool. So then there's the big scene that is the iconic scene right, of it- Mission Impossible in general. Uh, yeah, of this movie, because people remember him, like, nearly falling. He's dangling in this weird white room. Yes. But, like, the setup of this is very strange. There's lasers on the, on the, I mean, this is where Roger was talking, like, this doesn't make any sense. It's There's goofy. A, I mean, this guy works in this, like, sealed room. Like, you probably blow your brains out living it's in, working in this vault, thing. It's the sealed vault, one guy, one computer. It's yeah. a standing desk, though, just like to point no, that out. No, because the seat comes out. Oh, I, yeah. I was thinking he, they were really forefront on the on the like <laughs> no, standing working station. Out. Okay, but like if the temperature goes up one degree, alarms go off. If a, voice, if there's retina sweat, scan, yeah, double electronic key noise. card inside the black vault that's sound sensitive. Well, if there's not increase in temperature. Not, it can be a little bit noisy because you can go into the green decibel, the yellow decibel, and two <laughs> toasts of red. You could say toast twice before it really toast. goes off. But and then to 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 really let you know how this room works. On the door, or next to the door, there's a sign, a giant illuminated sign that's like countermeasures initiated on mm-hmm. and off. <laughs> mm-hmm. On, off. There's a sign. I love that there's um, a sign. There's a vent guarded mm-hmm. by a laser net. Yeah, they take care of that, no problem. There's a, sweet, I'd say. a system pressure check on the floor, right. so if there's someone who steps on it, mm-hmm. or if there's a drop of coffee This is why he dropped. has to dangle down, because he can't put any weight on the floor when the, the thing's mm-hmm. inaccurate. But then the, the first part is that they get in because there's smoke and they pretend to be firefighters, whatever, fine. They need to get the guy out of the office. Mm-hmm. So they send Claire in to CIA. Hold on. Yep. Before we focus on this. Okay. Tyler gets hung up on something, and I get hung up on something. Yeah. And this will really tell you the difference between <laughs> Tyler and I. Okay. Please continue. They send Claire in to get him to go, to get him out of the room. And the way to do that is is to spike his coffee in, to, to make him, like, throw up. Okay, so, number one, she comes out, she's wearing a bright red power suit. Like, and she's an attractive woman. Like, I thought, like, don't you, if you gotta sneak something into somebody's drink, I, I mean, I guess if you're gonna play, like, I'm gonna hit on you and distract you, I could totally see it. But that's not that's her what, game. I sort of think it was, though, a little bit. Not at all. She just sits next to him and, like, leans over he, his coffee. when he looks at her, she's, like, smiles at him. A little bit. But it's not, like, they don't play that at all, I yeah, don't think. Yeah, she's not like, oh, hi, hi. Like, I don't know. If you're, like, like, even if you're, like, not into the woman, you'd be like, God, that's a red suit. To, like, no one, everybody else is wearing gray. She's the only one wearing color in the whole place. It would be distracting. I'm just saying. Also, you're into red suits, apparently. No, I'm, no. Because even if, okay, you're going <laughs> to no, stick some stuff in some coffee. 
She's... Just the color is going to, you're going to notice a color of an arm coming out and putting some stuff in your coffee. What he's describing is she sits about one inch away one from inch. this guy in their break room. Yeah. Um, he's reading the paper. She's like writing a note right next to his coffee. She sets her notepad right next to his coffee, picks up her pen, squirts some liquid into the coffee would be, drink. Like, right when she put her hand near that coffee, I'm like, that's your coffee. I'm done drinking that coffee. Yeah, I don't know where you've you're been. You're breathing all over You're it. way too close. I don't care how touches... attractive she is. I don't, who, what, what time of year is it? Is it flu season? I don't want her near me. She touches his shoulder to put a little tracking device on him. Right. Yeah. And he doesn't like, well, she plays it off like, I didn't touch your shoulder. She's right there. She touches so, him. Tyler, what was your biggest um, frustration with this scene? So they need to keep him out, right? So number one, they're starting their little heist before they even, he's walking back to the room. He's not walking to the bathroom to deal with whatever we've been poisoned with. Like they start the heist. They go in there. Like, no, wait until he's not going to be there. You start it right when he's walking back. Bad idea. The way that he gets, so he comes in and he actually ends up being above his head for a little bit. And you're just wondering, like, actually, it's pretty good. Like, he kind of almost looks up a couple times. It's pretty well staged. But he starts, like, grunting. and Something's wrong with him. The guy. And he starts vomiting all over the, the in his garbage can. <laughs> so then he leaves to go clean it out. And you think, like, why is it just vomit? And then he goes to the bathroom, like... He's just vomiting. There's no. This is the only symptom of whatever thing they poisoned him with. He's just throwing up. Wouldn't you think, if you're gonna like, <laughs> if you're gonna need someone to get out of a room for a while, why would you give him something that's just gonna make him throw up? Because you can throw up in a lot of places and you can wipe yourself off pretty well. What you gotta do is you gotta give him vicious diarrhea, because then you're on the toilet. You're gonna have to clean all that shit up. Like it's just more. You're buying yourself more time if you're giving the guy vicious diarrhea. Tell me more about why vomiting is not as good of a choice because as diarrhea. you throw it up, right? And then if you've got shit on your face, you can at least look in the mirror. Shit on your face? Vomit. vomit. <laughs> You're not going to get shit on your face. You're going to get vomit on your face. You can clean that up pretty good, right? People, we're all adults. We know how to throw up properly, right? We can get it in a bowl. We can get it in a trash can. And then we just kind of like wipe it up, right? It's not that hard. Whereas if you're shitting, like you can't see... <laughs> Like, there's no visual. You don't have a mirror to, like, make sure you clean it up properly. It's just going to take a little bit more time to make sure you're not, like, walking around with diarrhea all over your ass. <laughs> what you're hearing here, people, is that Tyler might have some bathroom issues. <laughs> he doesn't like to throw up. I don't he, like to throw up. He might have some bathroom issues. I don't like throwing up at all. He has a lot of experience with... <laughs> what's bad about I'm diarrhea just saying, in general it takes more time i look maybe i'm wrong maybe it takes more time to clean up vomit but to me it seems like you gotta go it's an extra step you gotta go into a stall you gotta okay, close stop. the stall that's enough just shut it down you're sitting down shut it down and also if it was me i would like go ahead of time and like pull all the toilet paper out of the bathroom <laughs> so that then he'd have a real problem on his hands. He wouldn't be able to get back to his room for several minutes because there's be no toilet paper in there. And then what are you going to do, right? That's what the, Claire needs to go. Number one, go in the bathroom, take all the toilet paper take out. To- maybe clog a few toilets. Oh, fuck. Now we got to Check it. We don't get to even get rid of the toilet paper. We just stuff it into the toilet. So then it's clogged. And then you We're got a real... We're definitely going to have good careers as double agents. you got a life. real shit problem on your hand at that point. And mm-hmm. that guy's not coming back, right? Oh, my God. Tyler. Anyway, what are we talking about? Tom but, Cruise. Um, before we move on, <laughs> yeah. um, this is a good moment for old millennials. Remember movies. Connections. Connections. Right. In a previous episode. In a previous episode. This is only eight, episode of eight. old millennials remember movies. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say episode. Three or four. We review. We remembered an old movie called 
three ninjas. Connections. Connections. And in that movie, what happens to there's three dudes that try to kidnap the three ninjas. They're three surfer dudes, mm-hmm. and they spike a soda with stuff that gives you diarrhea. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, it slows them down a little lot faster than this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Just so saying. So call back to that movie. We, in eight episodes, we've already got two movies where some guys getting poisoned with some kind of uh, vomiting slash bowel thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Connection. Connection. Anyway, this is where he does the dangle thing because Jean Reno, a, a rat comes up on him in the vent. Yeah. And tough Jean Reno, the professional, who's a murdering machine with a giant knife who wanted to kill some people already when he went in there, he sees a mouse and he loses his shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he drops like him. Right by his face. He nearly drops him. And it wasn't a mouse, it was like a rat. It was a rat. And then that's where we get that famous, like, Tom Cruise is an inch away from the ground and he's, like, trying to he's balance dangling. his shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. and what my favorite part of this is that you cut back to Jarno trying to like get the get the rope back up, and he's he's crushed that rat. I yeah. think with his head because he doesn't have his hands. Yep, had to have been his head or his shoulder. Because and it, the top part of the rat seems to be intact, but it does seem like he's in like in. I wasn't looking that. Closely. I think he smashed the head together. Not no blood because it's PG thirteen. Sure. But, uh, yeah, that rat that rat dead. So your hang up was the bathroom the bathroom scene. Yep. My hang up was so this room. Has this temperature sensitive sensor? Yep. That if it raises more than one degree, and they have a temperature gauge, one degree, giving point one, point two, point three. Yes. So this was my rant in my in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, freaking air conditioning that can manage the room temperature to one fucking degree in 1996. That's pretty good. Now it's 2018, and I work in an office where it fluctuates between a refrigerator Mm -hmm. and about 92 degrees. Mm -hmm. Whether it's winter or summer, it still has that same problem. So how is this possible? Well, it's Mission Impossible. And you know what I'd like to request? Mm -hmm. I'd like to request 1996's Mission Impossible AC that the CIA has. How is it that good? How is it that good? My initial answer would have been that the room's pretty small, but then... You realize that the room itself is small walking distance around, but it's very tall. It's a real tall. And the vent with the lasers seems to be the place where the air is coming in. So that one vent way up there is keeping that temperature. With a computer yeah. running? And it's just. Likely it, like a supercomputer? And the vents are all attached to everything else. It's not like we're, we're, it's an exclusive vent going into this one room. I want some right. 1996 HVAC because yeah. that shit is good. That's really good. And, uh, yeah, no, that's a good point. It would be uh, nearly impossible to That's all uh, I got. To I clearly have a really lame What life. about the part where he's he's about to, So any kind of sensor is going to be a problem. And so he starts dripping sweat off his glasses. Yeah. And he's got to he's, – what he's got to do is he's got to stop that drop from hitting the ground. Before that, though, mm-hmm. I do want to commend that – um, a scene can have so much tension. Oh yeah, it's with a great just scene. A bead of rolling sweat. I don't want to. That's pretty great. I know we're having fun with this. This is a great scene. It's, it's a the great reason scene. why it's a standout. It's it's not as big as the most recent Mission Impossible Mm-mm. movie, but that tension is real good for just something so small. Yeah, I love it. It it really does, and it, it is it's iconic for a reason. Yes, the the logistics of it are kind of dopey, but the fun of it is there, and it still plays. It's still exciting. And he's balancing, but anyway, yeah, he's got to stop I that drop. He's trying to get his arm down. He just he catches the the um, the drop of sweat from his head with his hand, but he turns his hand over. He's got his hands fa- his palms That's facing easy. down. Some of us are more flexible than you, so Tyler's no, no, like, "Oh my god, how do you no, turn your look, hand from palm up?" 
Listeners okay. at home, so put your hands out. Put your hands out, and unless then, you're driving, then don't do this. If you're doing that, and then you got to turn them around, and then you so got to try to bend is, it down okay. without bending your elbows. Here's what I like to tell you all: Tyler is the least flexible man I've ever known. How do you bend? How Look, are you going to? Let do me it? show you. You have your palms. I want to see you do it. You bring them forward. This is a real visual moment. It's not that hard. He's got to catch it down here, though. Okay, look at I'll even... Okay, I'm going to demonstrate for Tyler. I'm going to get on the floor in Superman position, which if you're a Pilates person, you know what that means. You go out with your hands out. And then you just turn your any, palm around. We all know what the Superman... Don't be insulting. On the ground, though. Okay. So it looks like this, Tyler. You're on the floor. She's on the floor, everybody. Your hands are like this. Yeah. And you're just like this. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> it's not that hard. You just... It's literally... All right. You're literally just moving your arm. All right. Tyler... You just move your arm. All right. To catch the bead of sweat. Having seen what I've just seen, I will say that, one, I cannot do what you just did. Please but do. But two... Please do it, and we will film it and add it to the website. But two, I can see that it's possible. <laughs> okay. I can see that it's possible. But I cannot personally do it. <laughs> there you go. Tyler can't move his arm nine inches. Nope. <laughs> As the 34-year-old no, guy. I can't. That's concerning. I can. I just have to bend my elbow to do it. And your elbow doesn't bend? Wouldn't you feel like... I, I feel like in the effort to do that, I would definitely like slam my feet down on the ground. You would, <laughs> Tyler. It's like, oh, should I hit the ground? <laughs> and then it'd be a whole alarm goes off. And then what's funny about all this, like, like he survives all this, and they still drop a fucking knife right yes. when the the thing goes... The, the, the alarm is supposed to go off. He opens the door, and, they, and the knife goes down. I thought, like, oh, God, they're going to have to... Like, they need to throw a scene to them, like... Basically, like scrambling out of there as fast as Hustling possible. Hustling their asses. But then I, and then what I realized this time was that they would have had to do that anyway because the guy got on the computer and they've got a security mechanism where they can see that there was keystrokes and a download that occurred. So he knew immediately that something happened anyway. Mm-hmm. So they're still gonna have to book it out of there really fast. Yeah, I didn't catch that. You know, seeing it the first few times. Well, I mean, you think the knife is really the big deal, but the guy would have noticed it right away too. Mm-hmm. So. There's um, a few things we want to talk about before the end of this podcast, and we're nearing up on the end of our time here. So we're going to talk about a magic trick. Oh, um, yeah. A chi- but we're not there yet. Hold on. Okay. Calm down. I love this magic trick. We're going to talk about a magic trick. We're going to talk about the final scene with a helicopter and a train. Yeah. Then we're going to talk about the ending. Yep. But before we do that, it's it is time segment. for our new segment introduced yes. last week called Tea Time with Tyler. Ding, ding. I had a feeling that you might do this, so I was hoping that I could have maybe thought of what you might do, but I honestly have no idea, and then I spaced and didn't do it. So Tea Time with Tyler is the point in the episode where I run out of my cup of tea. Mm -hmm. I have a little thermos with hot water in it. I will now pour the water into my coffee mug, which is a tea mug, tea cup. Tea cup? It's a coffee mug. It's a coffee mug of which I'm pouring hot water for my tea. Tyler, you have until the end of me pouring this water, Mm -hmm. and listeners at home, feel free to join us. You have till the end to tell me all the action movies with a character with an actor named Tom. Excuse me. <laughs> so, Mission Impossible stars Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise. Okay. You need to think of other action movies now. You're already thinking of them because you're buying yourself time that have an actor in them with the name Tom, and it can't be Tom Cruise. Oh, okay, hold on. I gotta think of a. Uh, uh, uh... It's going to begin in a few. I can't seconds. be Tom Cruise. Um, who other Tom? What's up under Tom? <laughs> Tom Hanks was in the action movie Saving Private Ryan, I guess. <laughs> also, That's one. He also appeared in the action film. Is there a guy named Tom Harding? Tom Hardy. Hardy? Oh, thanks. That So the Dark Knight Rises? <laughs> he was in that. He was in Dunkirk. That's kind of an action movie. Uh, he was in... 
Uh, Inception, that was another action movie. I wish I could think of more Toms other than Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks doesn't do a lot of action movies. He doesn't run around. I don't think he can count, catch me if he can. I, think. I don't think he can count... Uh, oh, the, oh, he was in Road to Perdition. He played a hitman, but it's not really an action movie, so I wouldn't count it. That's the end. Oh. I would give you a rating of C. Not very impressive today, <laughs> Tyler. Thanks for joining us for With Tea with Tyler. Tom, I can't even... I'm still, like, blanking on another Tom <laughs> that would be in an action movie. I was, I kept, all I kept thinking of was Tom Clancy. Tom Clancy, Tom, Tom Clancy, Clancy, Tom Clancy. Because he made those spy action books or Your whatever. brain is broken. So isn't... isn't Tom Clancy, Didn't Tom Clancy write the Jack Ryan movies about clear and present danger? Isn't that Tom Clancy? Look that up. I need to know... Tom Clancy is the writer of the Jack Ryan series. The John... Like, you know, he wrote the, the books, the, the Jack ryan series jack ryan series by tom oh it's tom clancy, clancy. yeah see that's it's what i kept thinking of connected. connections connections clear and present danger oh okay so mm-hmm. the before we get to the big action ending which is the only action in the movie uh you get uh the scene where jean reno is like taking the knock list that they've taken but tom cruise is like oh did you take it or did you take this other disc? And he, like, does a magic trick to make the disc appear. And he does, like, a whole little magic routine with the, this file disc. For, like, four minutes. It goes on forever. <laughs> it's like, it goes on and you think it's done, and then it keeps going. And, Angie, I think that the ranking of scenes now goes uh, Langley Heist, hel- uh, Helicopter, Bullet Train, Magic trick. Third mm, best. Where's scene my in the internet movie. scene where it's he's pretty taking good, a nap? But it is sleepy, but I love this magic. This is the only thing that hasn't yet come back in the series to me. It's like I want to see Tom Ethan Hunt do more magic tricks. More magic, more magic. Where he's like, oh, where to go? When he like pulls a quarter behind someone's ear. I want to do. I want to see. That's the first scene. It should be like before he like does a heist. He should be in his mask or whatever. But you know, see, that's how you get tipped off. The audience gets to get tipped off of whether he's in a mask or not. He does like he pulls a quarter out from someone's ear. Like, yes. oh, see, this is not that guy. That's Ethan Hunt because we know he's a magician. He's a magician. I love that. I want. I want more of Ethan Hunt doing magic. Um. So then we get to the. Oh yeah, John Voight reappears. What I like about. Oh, there's a really good scene here where uh, John Voight reappears. Tom Cruise has already noticed that the, the, the Bible that he's been reading out of has a stamp of where uh, we've learned that John Voight stayed at. So he's already figured something out. It, I mean, you're paying attention. You know that John Voight's coming back and he's a bad guy. But uh, they have a scene where he meets him up again. He's back from the dead. And Ethan Hunt is, like, saying – telling a scenario where – the big, the head of the IMF is the bad guy. But then we're seeing flashbacks of Tom Cruise really seeing what really happened, which was like John Voight staging everything. And I think it's a really clever way of like letting us all in. It just it doesn't cheat the audience, doesn't try to trick you. It's keeping, it's letting you be along for where Ethan Hunt is. He figures out John Renault is bad. He is kind of assumes that Claire is bad. She must be, or at least has suspicions of it. Mm-hmm. And then he decides to go. I what's implied to have sex with her? Oh, for sure. Yeah, she's like. Hits on him later when he after he does this and he like he comes back home and she's like hey baby yeah and like she like starts kissing his hand and it's kind of like the I clearly she's trying to like like keep her cover I guess yep but like at this point he's got to know like one John, John Voight's bad two you're probably bad but he's like you know what this is my only chance to have sex with her so I'm just gonna have sex with her totally and that's totally what he does. happened pretty pretty bold move there Ethan Hunt but uh but yeah so then we get to the um. The bullet train. Uh, Max is there. Ving Rhames is sitting there trying to block the signal. John Voight is supposedly there. He tells uh, Kittrich, the IMF head, to come because he wants to try to catch John Voight in the act. Mm-hmm. And we do. This is where the mask comes in. He tricks Claire to be sure that Claire 
is good or bad, he wears a John Ethan Hunt wears the John Voight mask, and that's how he. And that's a real. It's the, now we got the good. Bing Rams has solved this technology. Mask. He's got the good mask now, and really he tricked. Oh, he fucking tricks her. Mm-hmm. She's done for. But then we get like so the real John Voight shows up, and there's like a scuffle. This is a strange little scuffle. It is. John Voight has the only gun on the train. It's implied. He chooses to shoot. He's got the power position. Like he can just kill Tom Cruise right here and then and be done. Mm-hmm. Takes the money that he was supposed to get from Max, and that should be it. So, but instead, like, because Claire's like, don't kill him, that's enough for him to be like, oh, now I'm pissed that you probably have sex with him. He's all, fuck you, Claire. Yeah. He shoots Claire and kills Claire. Mm -hmm. And then in, before he can turn his gun on Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise attacks him and stops him from getting uh, shot. But then John Voight, like, beats him up really quickly. With, like, two hits. It's, like, two hits to the gut and Tom Cruise is down. It's, like, two, yeah, two punches to the guts and Tom Cruise is down. And then... It looks like the gun maybe got knocked away a little bit, but it's not implied. Like, pick up the gun and, like, wouldn't John Voight just be, like, solve him? A lot of problems is by killing him right here. Oh, for sure. Instead, he gets on top of the speeding bullet train and has apparently called John Renault to come pick him up on the helicopter. Whew, I don't know. A party, a bigger part of your plan is also, like, you gotta slow this train down before you get picked up by a helicopter. This is a very de- like, this is a low-odds scenario right off the bat. You're not getting out of here real easily. Mm-hmm. No way. This is when so, we get this cool fun scene. Fun fact, th- this is yeah. a train that links Britain to France. Mm-hmm. And um, earlier it's been, I'm just actually, Wait, I'm reading off the Roger work? Ebert. Hmm? How's that shit work? It's a big train. It's a channel. It's is a, it Britain it's a an island? Oh, it goes in a, oh, it goes in a mm-hmm. ground. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's why she's saying, like, we have to get this transmitted before oh, we go into long. the... Mm-hmm. I gotcha. Um, so it links Britain to France, and the, I'm reading off of Ebert's review here. Uh-huh. Um, earlier, it's been established that the train through Britain is traveling so fast that crews clinging to it might easily be blown off. This will cheer the film's British viewers, who can forget for a moment that the Channel train goes that fast only on the French side, since the high-speed tracks on the British side have not been completed. I love Back this. Back in 1996. I love this bit of information that Roger Ebert provides. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's why he's the best. Was the best, man. Love that detail. But we get this scene actually in this is twenty two years old. Looks good. Just yeah. good little speedy train. I think it looks as good as when they basically did this in that Wolverine movie from a few years ago, mm-hmm. where Wolverine's on top of a train and stabbing people. Pretty much the same level of effects, I would say. You, you can tell there's some green screen and a little bit of CGI, a little bit of model use, but it looks really good. It's really fast. Tom Cruise is really blowing his t- necktie, oh, is totally. blasting all over the place. John Voice Voight is like his face is even more wrinkly than usual. It's getting blasted with this wind. Oh, yeah. But it's, oh, it's so cool. And, uh, yeah, he, he, Jean Renault, it's been established earlier that he's a good helicopter pilot, but, like, he gets, Tom, he gets the, he hooks the, is it Tom Cruise that hooks the? Yeah. Because he, 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 John Boy was going to use the hook to get on the helicopter. To hook him onto himself. But Tom Cruise hooks that motherfucker onto the train, so when that tunnel comes up, He's gonna like it's, that should be it for a a, a, a mediocre to even decent uh, helicopter pilot. But no, John Renault is able to kind of maneuver into the tunnel, and he's still surviving, but he's hooked onto the thing. Whew. And then we got a real scenario. Um, they get it unhooked. I think John Voight finally unhooks it. Yeah. Tom Cruise gets pushed off the side, but he somehow manages to not to not be completely killed. get killed. Um, but then yeah, we keep then John Voight hops on here. We, this is another little connection to the new connection. the new Fallout movie has a pretty there's a helicopter sequence where he jumps Mm -hmm. where it's like real where this is like back in 96 Mm -hmm. before they let tom cruise just basically do whatever he wanted Mm -hmm. 
But uh, yeah, then he jumps on. Right, he he jumps onto the helicopter, and then the music, the Mission Impossible music starts going again. God, it's still fucking awesome to this day, man. It's just a cool scene. And then we get that gum. He's got another stick of that red light, green light gum. And he even yells, red light, green light, and sticks it on. Oh, before that, John, this is what I'm saying about Arno. Not a smart guy. He drops that knife. He seems kind of dumb. He's also, like, decides he's going to try to kill Ethan Hunt with the blades of his helicopter by, like, tipping the blade down and, like, trying to get him. Mm-hmm. And then he stupidly, like, hits the back end of his helicopter hits the top. Mm-hmm. What an idiot. Like, <laughs> like, maybe just, like, worry about getting away. Mm-hmm. Worry about survival before you worry about But vengeance. he goes red like green you know, and Tom Cruise blows a shit out of him. And John Voight gets, like, you can actually see a little shot of John Voight getting, like, crushed and blown mm-hmm. up. And mm-hmm. Tom Cruise gets thrown. It's, it's cool, man. It's a great action scene. But, I, I mean, I remember seeing the trailer for this, and they kind of showed some of this bullet train. You're thinking, like, this is going to be an action movie. And this is, like, at the end of the movie, and it's really, like, the only... Other than that little hip and scop, skip and hopping over the water aquarium mm-hmm. window, this is the only real action scene. But you know what? It's such a good one that I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it either. No, I'm not mad at it. It's a it good a little lot of fun. Good little scene. So yeah, Mission Impossible. What do you think on? Uh, that's pretty much the movie. I don't know. Bing Rames is cool, and he get everybody. Yeah. Get, everybody gets back on the team. Whatever. Um, yeah. What do you think? Knowing knowing what you know about uh, the the series now, how? Did, what did you think about this Com- first one? Having just seen the most recent one, yeah. which is high impact, high thrill, high, octane. high action, yeah. action, high octane. Mm-hmm. To this one, it's a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. has just a couple scenes, but is I think, really thoughtful. Yeah. And even though the plot is silly and kind of double-crossing and... I like. I enjoyed it actually. Yeah, I think this is this is you know this has become like the most consistent action franchise. It's funny to say that because this this one's not a big action movie, but I this is probably like I would rank them like six, four, five, three, then one. It's probably like my least favorite of the ones I like, but I really like it still. The only one I don't really like is Future Episode Mission Impossible Two, which is uh, whew, man, that's something else. But. uh yeah, this is a good series. Like, it's... I don't know. I could see, like, five more of these. Or not. I don't know. I can't... I'm on the fence. Like, do we need to, like, stop while we're ahead? Or do you want to see more Mission Impossible? Do you want to keep seeing Tom Cruise do this this nonsense? Yeah. Yeah, me Just too. keep it coming. Even if they, Let like, him do it till he's, like, 75. Yeah. Well, like, Harrison Ford is thinking he's still doing Indiana Jones. Like, why not? Let's let this guy... Let's do whatever he wants to do. At some point, he's going to, like, strap himself onto, like, an old Elon Musk uh, spaceship... Nice. And he's going to, like, figure out how to be like, I could probably, I bet you if I hold my breath, I could probably be out in space without a helmet on for, like, a minute. I bet probably. Tom Cruise thinks he can probably do it. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. Let's let's see. <laughs> let's find out. I think we could find out, right? Yeah. So, uh, Mission Impossible. We both liked it. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Okay, so that's the end of the episode. Before we uh, log off here mm-hmm. in our 1996 internet. Beep, 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 beep. Just kidding. Uh, what's uh, What kind of uh, movies are we watching next? Oh, we haven't discussed it. Oh, we do know this one. I think what we're going to do, tail end of our our period of movies we watch, 2002's Signs. Mm-hmm. Starring, God, another, this is a second Mel, nine episodes and we're doing two Mel Gibson movies? What are we doing? I don't know. Tom, I mean, whatever. I'm just saying. It's hard to do these movies without hitting some kind of controversy. So the movie Signs will be coming up. Maybe one in between there. We'll see. You well, never know, know what happens. But yeah, look, look forward to that. I think that's all we'll say. Where can you find this podcast? Where can you find us? You can find our website at oldmillennialsremember.com. Mm-hmm. You can listen to our podcast on anywhere that you listen to podcasts, including iTunes, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, all those other ones. Give us a good review. 
Unless you don't like it, and then, you know, don't don't give us a bad review. Yeah, feel free to leave a review on iTunes. That helps other people who might like this kind of show uh, find us, and we would really appreciate that, so please do that. We've got some other content over on the website, too. There's a, a Ninja Turtle podcast for people that are so inclined, and then coming soon, some more content that we'll, uh, we'll, we'll hit on when it gets ready. That's right, and or- if you are a Facebooker or a tw- Twitterer, mm-hmm. then you can find us on there Get under on the, Old Millennials Remember. The tweet, the tweet, yeah. what's it called? Twitter. Oh, okay. So I'm again, thanks for joining us. And if you can leave us a review, we'd super appreciate it. And we will uh, talk at you later on our next Old Millennials Remember Movies podcast. Thank you. Hasta lasagna. Don't get any on ya. Ah, oh, jeez. <laughs>